0: Everybody, it's your buddy, it's your palace, Phoenix, the YWC reality check here with your dynamite review for September 29th, 2021. And as you can see, if the video editor is getting along with me this week, you do see my pretty sexy face because I am indeed alone. Quick shout out to Guapo, who's not able to join us tonight, because while I'm doing this, while I'm watching cool wrestling shows that are awesome and deserve much more energy than I have to give, he's working late so big shout out to Guapo, big shout out to Jake as well, and I promise as soon as we get Jake back on the show, you guys are going to get my uh, my thoughts on the new NXT. I'm actually holding that whole topic hostage until I get Jake back on the show, because the more I hold it off, the more there's going to be to talk about, because my opinion on NXT changes from week to week, and right now I think it's a batshit fever dream that you enjoy as much as you can, and then that's that's about it, but when, when we do get Super Sexy Jake DeMarco back on the show, we will talk about that, when we get Guapo out of the clutches of work doldrums, we will get him back here to talk about AEW, but for right now, you are stuck with just me, and I do apologize, and speaking of co-hosts, I don't know when, but there will be another Fix coming out soon, there's been a couple more episodes of What If that have uh, hit the fan, and I have already pre-bought my tickets for Venom, Let There Be Carnage tomorrow night, so that that will also be a thing that I'll need to talk about at some point, but let's talk about this show. As I say, I wish I had more energy, and I'm going to try and keep the energy up, as I do not have a co-host, so I don't have a chance to breathe, um because this show deserved all the energy I can give it, we got the announcement at midnight last night from Tony Khan that this was going to be the... uh, I keep wanting to say John Huber, because that's what I've written in my notes, but it is the Brody Lee tribute show, because they are in Rochester, New York, which is his hometown, which led to all the speculation that Bray Wyatt was going to show, or Wyndham Rotunda was going to show up tonight uh, on Dynamite, which didn't happen, which... I mean, I'm torn, right? Because I've been saying all along that if... When a rotunda goes anywhere, I wanna see him go to Impact because they'll let him do all the Elseworld shit and it'll be more appeasing to his type of creativity. And I do think it I that of anybody that can move to any other company, I think that's the most mutually beneficial. Like he can benefit from Impact and Impact will definitely benefit from him situation that we've got going. I mean look at all the people that we've got coming into AEW just recently, he'd just be like another name and that would be really unfortunate. I mean, I'm not going to dwell on that too much because it didn't in fact happen, but on the other side of the coin, it would have been nice just for one night if he popped up much like Eric Rowan did uh, when Brody Lee originally passed away and they did the tribute show back then. If he was there to participate in this, that's an entirely different conversation. I'm kind of surprised that Eric Rowan wasn't on the show tonight, but it wasn't... I don't want to put this in a bad way, but it wasn't hit over the head as much as the tribute when he actually passed. There was a couple nods here and there. There was a lot of gear stuff. Uh, I mean, there's... The tag match. We'll talk about the tag match when we get to the tag match. It was fine. Uh, CM Punk on commentary, doing his laps around the ring before he got to commentary, soaking up all the all the adulation, catching his flowers, as you will, before he goes over to commentary it was always good. And then commentary very quickly goes on to tell us that the John, John Huber society or the John Huber coalition or whatever some charity that's been set up in in Brody Lee's name. I don't have all the details. I won't pretend that I have all the details, but very very cool that that was other than introducing CM Punk, it was the uh most prominent thing on the minds of the of the commentators because you you want to think about, you know, remembering somebody having the good times and and paying tribute to them in their own venue in this case pro wrestling, but you want to think about that all that pain, all that sadness, all that remembrance moving forward and doing something good. And that's, you know, it's, it's not really comparable, but it's kind of like the Connors Cure thing. I mean, you don't want to be beat over the head with a little child that unfortunately and tragically passed away, but you know, we've turned it into something good. Uh, John Hubers, I don't know what particularly this society benefits. So I'm uh, super uneducated on that part of it, but, um, just in general if you're gonna if you're gonna plug that for a night this is the night to do it and i hope they plug it going forward i I think they mentioned there were some t-shirts and whatnot that were being sold uh for the purpose of that uh of that charity and then we get into the opening match which was holy crap you want to talk about starting right in the fire that's not even a metaphor that's not even a phrase is it jungle boy versus adam cole i was really looking forward to this and uh I'll let you guys peek behind the curtain. Uh, Guapo and I are sort of trying to figure out what works as far as AEW uh, content goes, because we're doing Dynamite, we're doing uh, Rampage as well. Uh, I don't know whether this is going to be a thing or not, but... uh... (laughs) I was thinking about maybe doing a little bit of preview stuff because AEW gives us so much in advance. We can talk on Monday about what's going to happen on Wednesday, what's going to happen on Friday. Now, schedules didn't permit. My work schedule kicked me in the ass this week, as did Guapos, as he's not here tonight. That may be something we do in the future. I'm not guaranteeing it. It's just an idea I'm kicking around. I'd love to know your thoughts down in the box below. I was looking forward to talking about this match and previewing this match because Jungle Boy versus Adam Cole... There's no loser in this match, because either you have Jungle Boy goes over Adam Cole, which is a huge feather in the cap for one of the four pillars of AEW that we're going to talk about later, um, and it's a huge feather in his cap, Adam Cole's a huge name, not just in AEW, but in wrestling in general. Um, I think he's ROH, New Japan, uh, NXT, WWE, AEW, uh, Bullet Club, all that kind of stuff. Or you go the other way, where you've got Adam Cole, who's the super popular heel that's hard to get uh, booed, kind of like his wife, just putting it out there uh, you may get him a couple of boos if you beat a fan favorite like Jungle Boy, and the other thought I had going into this, because they were talking about it on commentary as well, is the mentality of, of AEW, and this is not actually a thing, I'm just taking the piss, so let me have my joke here for a second, I think the mentality of Tony Khan and AEW was, let's get a really good soundtrack together, and then we'll throw on some wrestling because, in a short spurt, you got CM Punk coming out to Cult Personality, Adam Cole's uh, boom theme, which is pretty awesome and is apparently doing very well on Spotify charts or whatever. And then you got Jungle Boy coming out to. Uh, uh, can't think of the name of the song now, but you guys know what I'm talking about. Um. But like I said, there was no loser in this match. Uh, The crowd loves both guys. The crowd responds to both guys and kind, singing along with Jungle Boy and doing the boom and the Adam Cole bay bay for Adam Cole. Adam Cole coming out by himself. Very, very cool to see. Um, Heels, especially cocky, the elite-esque heels coming out by themselves and... Instead of, hey, I can beat you because look at all the friends I have, it's just, hey, I can beat you because look how fucking awesome I am. Um, I want to send a shout-out to Adam Cole as well. Yes, a little bit of the old NXT bias might be rubbing through here a little bit. We talk a lot about, especially when somebody is putting somebody else over, like Adam Cole is in there and he's going to make Jungle Boy look like a million bucks. Of course he is. And you can sell injury, you can sell offense, you can sell talent, but a harder thing to do or a more psychologically taxing thing to do is to sell frustration and Cole being as cocky as he is when that cocky gets thrown back in his face and don't turn that into a joke I know what you guys are like uh when that cocky gets thrown back into his face he, he's got that face on like I should have won already I should have my arms raised already my music should be playing already I should have won already Adam Cole and I thought this in a in uh in NXT as well and I never verbalized it properly, or I can never bring it to uh, bring it to a point, because it's part of the star quality, he sells frustration, that even though he's a heel, even though you're supposed to boo him, he sells frustration that draws you in, and when he's on the offense, he takes out that first. it's stored up, like you've watched him build and build and build this frustration, which makes Jungle Boy look like a million bucks, and then when that frustration lets out, it's holy fuck, what's our guy Jungle Boy going through at the moment, Picture perfect, Poison Rana, try saying that three times fast, by Jungle Boy, and I want to say by Jungle Boy, yes it takes two to tango, it takes two to pull off a Poison Rana, but the Poison Rana that he pulled off on Adam Cole in the middle of this match, put it in a fucking museum, put a gif, if you go in like dictionary.com, under the definition of Poison Rana, just put a gif of what they did, tonight. it was really really good, Uh, Springboard Rana off the apron to the floor was also pretty nice, Panama Sunrise kick out, followed by a uh, snare trap escape. Both guys shooting their big shot, so to speak, was cool towards the end. Um, They get tied up with Aubrey in the the ropes. Doesn't see the mule kick. Last shot, Cole gets the win. And yes, I'm calling it the last shot because calling it the boom is lame. Oh, yes. The Elite come out afterwards, and they're setting up for a post-match. They literally went to commercial break as the Elite came out. They come back out. They uh, they no sell the CM Punk chance. Kenny Omega addresses Daniel Bryan saying, uh, "You never beat me, and by the way, you're never getting a match against me again." Brian Danielson, I should gotta get used to calling him Brian Danielson. Comes out, calls for the rematch, gets the yes chance that he said he wasn't going to do anymore, and and he's just sticking it to WWE. That's fine. Calls him Kenny, no balls, which gets a pop from the crowd, and I'm sorry. I loved all of this, don't get me wrong, I am not shitting on this, I thought it was hilarious. But anybody that laughs their ass off at this and then doesn't get why The the Rock literally going out there, cutting a promo saying, I can say whatever I want and these people will chant it and then doing the cookie puss thing, this is literally the same thing. It's just happening in a, in a company that you like a bit more. This was great. The Rock doing the cookie push thing, also great. Uh, Roman Reigns doing Suffer and Succotash, not so much. Uh, the, throws out a challenge for Rampage to any member of the elite, and then... Uh, Kenny says, well, you're here right now, why don't we just why don't you just have a fight right now? He says, cool, but I'm going to bring a couple of friends with him. Out comes Kaz, out comes Christian, out comes Marco Stunt, out comes Luchasaurus, and out comes, once again, even though he just went to the back, Jungle Boy and the Elite Bale, because that's what they do. Heading to the back, Andrade is still playing up this story that he's trying to recruit the Lucha Brothers. The Lucha Brothers are the AEW Tag Team Champions, and apparently also are the AAA A. Tag Team Champions. Now, I don't pay attention to AAA, which won't surprise any of you, but Andrade, asking where Pac is, and they're still playing up the whole, like, he's battling Pac for custody of the Lucha Brothers, which I don't think should be a thing, but also he says, I've got a lot of Lucha friends, and I could come over after those titles, and he points to the AAA titles. Now, I don't want to dig at AAA, just because it's not something I watch. I know recently Andrade and and Kenny Omega uh, had a match for the AAA title us. so I'm not, I'm not sitting here to cast aspersions, but AEW star Andrade El Idolo, looking at AEW stars, the Lucha Brothers, who are the AEW tag team champions, why aren't you going for, th- I don't, I don't understand it, I'm sure there's a reason, there may be a longer narrative thread, as they say, going through, but, uh, a, I don't really want to see Andrade thrust into a tag team right away. We've just gotten through all the manager crap with, with Vicky and then with Chavo, and then it was going to be Ric Flair, wasn't it? And then cancel culture came and saved the day, and by that I mean saved us from something that could have been really, really cool. Oh, man. Let's, uh, let's go on a plane ride. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't get it. I don't... I don't get me wrong, I would love to see Andrade and, fuck, put Fuego Del Sol with them and let them go against the Lucha Brothers in a tag team match for a tag team championship. I I have no problem with that. Andrade individually taking on Penta, Andrade individually taking on Pac again, Andrade individually taking on Rey Phoenix. I might be a little bit biased on that one, is all amazing. I just, I don't get where the goal lies. And that might be mean, Again, me nitpicking to the nth degree, just go, you're on the AEW show, in the AEW company, you're three AEW guys, now one of them's going to have to get a partner, why wouldn't you go for the AEW tag titles? Now, I know, somebody's going to say in the comment section, well, the AEW tag titles uh, are held in the constriction of the ranking system, which AEW uses when they want to and don't use when they don't want to, but... If a challenger randomly challenges the champions, and the champions accept, look at the, uh, I don't want to bring him up just because this was his tribute show, but look at the Brody-John Moxley situation. He got a match basically by attacking John Moxley, and John Moxley being like, hey, if you wanted a title match, you just could have asked. It's that easy. I don't get it. You know what else I don't get? Cody and Lee and big shoddy Lee Johnson taking on Dante and Matt Seidel. Now, there's a handshake to start the match from Cody, who's not really a babyface, to Dante, because of course it's Dante. Uh, There's a mix-up on both sides here, because Cody Rhodes, whether he himself wants to admit it or not, is not a babyface. Lee Johnson is a super babyface. Matt Seidel is awesome and held up his end of the match fantastically, and I could not be paid to give a rat lizard fuck about Dante Martin. Go ahead and ask me why. Um... There was a flying flying knee off the apron uh, by Seidel to Cody that was really, really satisfying. But then, on the other side of the coin, i got to give Cody a little bit of credit because he hit a, uh, I, don't, I don't even know what word to use. He hit a fantastic, I'll, I'll go with fantastic, how about that? He hit a dynamite vertebraker on, uh, on I believe it was Matt Seidel as well. But Lee Johnson, who was the, the MVP... I couldn't think of a better way to say it again. Lee Johnson was the MVP. A lot of people are sitting there stroking their sack over Dante Martin, which I don't get because the guy's boring as fuck. Yeah, he's athletic. So is everybody else. Moving on. Matt Seidel, really, really awesome in this match. Cody, even though I don't like him, really, really good in this match. Lee Johnson was the star of this match, and he hits this sick package, neck-breaker thing to get the win. Cody and Lee get the win. Cody grabs the microphone because, of course, he doesn't, calls out Aleister Black, and immediately gets told off by Aaron Anderson. He says, before you go off and do something stupid, let me tell you something. You know, you lost the first match because you were upset. You, You lost your first match with Black because you were upset about what he did to me. Why were you giving a shit about me? You lost your second match because I fell off the apron and you came to take care of me instead of finishing off your match. And then he goes... A little bit, I, I, I'm i tempted to say he went off script, but I don't know if he did. He says, do you know the difference between me and you? Somebody would come and try to steal your car, and you would say, okay, okay, take the car, please don't hurt me. If it was me, if it was Arn Anderson, I'd pull out my gun, and I'd splatter his brains on the pavement. He basically dumps Cody as a as a protege for being a pussy and then underscores it by saying, like, come on, Lee Johnson, at least you listen to what I have to say. Ugh, I don't know. It was effective. I'll give him that. And Arn Anderson on the microphone is never not believable um, when he went on to say, you know, that guy Alistair Black that you keep calling out is an assassin look what he did to Lee Johnson look what he did to your brother look what he did to my son look what he could do to me if my years were a bit younger but then he just says you know if I were you I'd shoot him I I don't know I'm not saying it's bad because you guys know me I'm not really against like censorship and limitation but that's not going to go over well in the general in the general sphere of things Matt or um Cody Rhodes sorry Getting called a pussy on national TV by Aaron Anderson is fucking phenomenal though. It's gonna solidify his heel turn for the guy that doesn't believe heels and faces are a thing. that's fine. Uh, then we got something a lot simpler to talk about. You got Bear Country and Anthony Green, sure, getting killed by Moxley, Kingston, and Darby Allen. The only thing I can say about this match is Green came off the top rope to try a double cross body on Moxley and Kingston and bounced off. And that was hilarious. Other than that, these guys got killed. I I don't care. I think it's just... I, they found this cool little quartet. I mean, because you include Sting in this as well. They found this cool little quartet that people like to see. There's no direct reason why they're all hanging out. But it's just a cool assortment of people to, to, uh, to have out there. So they keep... Bringing new people in to get squashed by the team of moxley kingston derby with with sting in their corner sting obviously for for the um for the nostalgia factor got to hit a, a scorpion death drop on Anthony Green after the match was over, but I mean look at how they did even uh, two point because they definitely stole uh, nxt's name except they didn't because i 'm just being an asshole, and uh, the other guy that's with them Garcia we uh, were the first to sort of get killed by this group when they said sort of like, "Hey, I'm gonna, we're gonna call out the three hardest, heart, three biggest hardasses." There we go. Words. Thank you, brain. Uh, the three biggest hardasses in AEW because that's how you make an impact. And then and then they died. And I think they found that that works as a pattern. Uh, throw Mox and Kingston back in the tag title picture, and we're gonna find out what Darby's doing shortly. Now, the clusterfuck mash of the evening that I have to then come back around and say nice things about is the entire fucking Hardy family office, including one guy that I've never seen before, taking on Orange Cassidy and the Dark Order who are fighting. Obviously because it's the Brody Lee tribute show, Negative One is out there with the Dark Order, which is really nice. Um, Half the Dark Order leave halfway through because they've got dysfunction among the team. They get stopped on the rampway by Negative One, Tay Conte, Anna Jay, and Brody Lee's wife basically being, are you fucking serious, and getting them back in the ring. They get the win. They have a big hug at the end. It's a really cool thing, and I don't think they meant to catch it on camera because... It wasn't the point, because, but this was a whole dark, dark Order, Brody Lee story, except for Orange Cassidy. So when they're in there having the big group hug and they're having the big uh, victorious like pose at the end with the ladies, with Mrs. Huber, with uh, the entire Dark Order, with negative one, you, if you look in the background on the far side corner, you just see Orange Cassidy like sitting on the steps watching it sort of taking it in that's kind of cool he's not directly in the moment but he's still sort of appreciating the moment cm punk several times on commentary mentioned that the reason he was on commentary tonight was sort of selfish and he just wanted to be part of the show and talking about how if he wasn't on commentary he'd be in the audience he didn't even want to wrestle on tonight's show which is a, which is a nice thing to say he also said he wanted to commentate on adam cole versus um, versus Jungle Boy, and then had a bunch of disparaging things to say about Adam Cole, about how he probably listens to his his uh, entrance music in the car. So we're going to get Adam Cole versus CM Punk sooner than later, I think, which doesn't hurt my feelings in the slightest. This was really cool. I haven't said much about the match itself, because the match itself was a bit shit, guys. It's 16 guys trying to have a match with Aubrey Edwards, trying to keep her head above water. Now, that's not a shot at anybody. Nobody should be put in that scenario. You could have had any couple of members of the Dark Order taking on a couple of other people with whoever they're feuding with on the outside and trying to cost them the match or whatever. This was this was way too much to be good. But, big but, the emotional, sentimental, soft side of this is way more important than any critique I could put on the match. So was the match good? No. Does it matter? No. The Dark Order's all back together. Speculation that... Uh, What's his name? Hangman Page could have been back tonight. And along with Bray Wyatt, Hangman Page also did not show up tonight. Um, I do think, however, uh, because it's a pattern that we're seeing now, I do think they need to have a a sort of a cohesive, mutually respectful breaking up of the Dark Order. Because if you don't, you're going to keep having this problem. If you don't, you're going to have oh, what's Hangman Page going to do with the group when he comes back, rather than Hangman Page pursuing the title. If you don't, um, you know, they did it with that, with Malachi Black, they are doing it with Bray Wyatt, even though he's not in the company. Oh, gee, I wonder if they're going to be the next ones to to run the Dark Order and all that sort of thing. You're going to have that speculation survive surrounding this thing. And it doesn't work for a lot of reasons, because it sort of handcuffs them from doing anything Else. I mean, there's a couple of people in the Dark Order that I could see maybe not winning, but at least competing for the TNT title, for example. Um, it hamstrings them as all this bunch of losers that don't have a leader. Uh, it hamstrings the guys that are coming in that we think are going to lead the Dark Order, and then we don't, and then all our fantasy booking goes out the window. But also, you inadvertently have a conversation every time about, oh, who's going to replace Brody Lee? Which among other things, is super disrespectful, so the existence of Dark Order invites those conversations to keep happening, even though those conversations are never going to have a satisfactory conclusion, and I don't know, because Reynolds and Silver are a tag team on their own, um, Evil Uno Stu Grayson are a team on their own, I mean, send 10 out to fight Wardlow, it'll be fine, uh, Cole Cabana and CM Punk can be a tag team champions, no, maybe, I don't know, why Why, why couldn't that happen, hey, you in the back, why couldn't that happen, uh, and then, for reasons, Leo Rush is back in AEW, and he's a money guy, and he cuts a promo about buying and selling and, and investing money to save people, and I don't... He's talking a bunch of money crap. So I guess Leo Rush is back in the company, which is great, and they put a gimmick on him that they didn't need to because you could have just said, hey, guess what, really awesome news, Leo Rush is back. Um, And then in the back, we have FTR being overcompensatory about their loss to Santana and Ortiz and saying, hey, don't worry about FTR, FTR are back on track top guys out. It's like, well, if you really thought you were back on top, you wouldn't have had to grab a microphone and tell us that you're back on top. It's fine. Uh, Dan Lambert comes out and talks some shit, and he talks about how Jericho is the head of the snake and Tony Khan can't sell any more snake oil. When his problem with AEW is the young, scrawny, flippy guys, you go after the old, not-so-scrawny guy that's not really doing a flip anymore other than a very contentious uh, lion's alt. It doesn't really work. They say they're going to take down AEW, they're going to take down all of our heroes, and then all the fans can no longer swing on the balls of Jericho. So, Kenny Omega's got no balls, Jericho's got fans hanging off of his balls. There's a lot of balls on this show tonight. Scorpio Sky basically kisses Lambert's ass, and Ethan cries about how nobody's given him anything. Nobody interrupts. This doesn't set up anything. This... I know there's certain people out there that like the Lambert thing because they think he's sort of personifying, like, the Jim Cornets and the anti-AEW fans and all that kind of thing. It's just... It has to go somewhere. It has to go somewhere, and it's not... I mean, Dan Lambert brought in a bunch of people that are not AEW stars to beat up Jericho and Hager, and where were Jericho and Hager this week, oh that's right, Jericho's on tour and Hager's probably doing um, MMA stuff, I don't know, somebody, if anybody who's much more on the ball than me and much more awake than me, tell me down in the box below, what's Hager up to this week? We did get a pretty cool announcement for next week. I didn't realize next week's show was the two-year AEW anniversary show, which is kind of cool. And yes, you can do all those, oh, two years ago they didn't think we were going to last a week. And it's like, yeah, we get it. You have a millionaire backing you just like WWE does. It's fine. But something we did get announced and uh, in a video package from Hikaru Shida was talking about what's happened in those 2 years for her moving to America and becoming the longest reigning champion Rodi Rodi Ra and if she wins her match next week it's going to be her 50th victory in AEW all very very cool and then you get the added bonus that her opponent next week is Serena Deeb which I think is fucking fantastic Serena Deeb's going to do the business cuz they're talk they're not going to talk about the 50 50- 50th win if they're not going to give her her 50th win. It's like when New Day broke the record in WWE, but that's because they were mostly being spiteful to demolition. We don't need to talk about it. Moving on. TJ versus Ford and the Bunny. Um, <sighs> Ford and the Bunny, it wasn't their night. I'm sorry. I, Anna Jay and Tay Conte individually, I would love to see in the title picture. Um, not as, I'm not, I'm not unrealistic. I don't think they're going to be champions anytime, like champ champs anytime soon, but I would love to see them in the conversation. I would love to see Anna J or Tay Conte get their shots at Britt Baker. Britt Baker can go in there give them some shine. And then like, maybe you come back to it five, six months later. And one of them does pick up the championship. In the meantime, they do come out as a as a great team and they pointed it out on commentary. They came out to their own music. They didn't come out to the Dark Order music. They finally got their their tag team Titan Tron and they had matching gear that was not in the colors of the Dark Order. They're sort of forging their own path. Because if I recall correctly, only one of them is actually in the Dark Order and the other one's hanging out. So kind of cool for them to go their own way. None of the Dark Order were were out with them at ringside, so they're sort of existing as a team on their own. It's great. Um, And they had all the character in the match, too. Anna Jay, who's just come back uh, and has all the enthusiasm and aggression of somebody who's just come back after being gone for so long, and Tay Conte, who's just, like, consistently good and, I think, incredibly underrated and probably wasted in this feud with the Hardy family office. And I, I, I say it every week i've always been a big fan of the hardy boys but i hate what they're doing with matt hardy right now and everything else matt hardy touches right now becomes boring as shit by association what happened to kip sabian by the way considering penelope ford's like in the hardy family office did he get cancelled and nobody told me put it down in the box below friggin uh, joe gacy mr friggin woke sjw as a legit gimmick can probably tell me who got cancelled but again saving that for when I get Jake back on the show we get a video package for Friday and a match that I really don't care about other than the fact that Thunder Rosa's in it it's the triple threat match between Thunder Rosa Nyla Rose and Cora, and not Cora Jade that's NXT, Jade Cargill I, I, I don't care about two thirds of this match I don't know what you want me to say I, um this is it's going to be a rough rampage It's going to be a really rough rampage because we've got that triple threat and then we've got the hair versus hair match which is Matt Hardy versus Orange Cassidy except it's not Matt Hardy so I don't even know. And then we've got one match that we're going to talk about later on that's fine. MJF comes out to cut a promo. Talks about the four pillars of AEW. It's really really weird because MJF... Hates everybody, and he is hated by everybody, but always ends up putting somebody over in his promos way more than you think he's going to or predict that he's going to. He talks about the four pillars of Jungle Boy, or sorry, the four pillars of AEW, which are Jungle Boy, who he's beaten, Sammy Guevara, who he's beaten, and Darby Allin, whatever. And then he talks about him. He talks about how he's the past, present, and future of the company. He's going to be a world champ sooner than later. He starts getting CM Punk chants, and he just sort of tries to... He's, he sells them by no-selling them, if that makes sense. And then he mentions, like, Hey, I could leave at any given time, Bruce Pritchard. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, he's got Bruce Pritchard on speed dial. And I think it's CM Punk on commentary that says, Doesn't everybody have Bruce Pritchard on speed dial? Darby Allen comes out, and he calls him a school shooter mime on a skateboard. So there's your your second shooting gun violence reference of the night. (laughs) So we got two mentions of gun violence on the show. We got two mentions of balls on the show. Um, He digs down on the Darby Allens uncle story, the uncle that drove drunk and died and Darby was in the thing, and amps it up as, you know, the wrong man died and again it's I love it because I think somebody can correct me if they think I'm wrong because I'm sure there's somebody else I think the only person that could have delivered this promo was MJF because he's the only person that is so that sinks his teeth so deeply into being that much of a piece of shit that you don't think he's doing it for shot value that it actually works um, I mean obviously we're getting a promo between MJF and Darby Allen which doesn't hurt my feelings at all I because they are speeding through some some AE, the quote unquote AEW dream matches capital D capital M uh I really don't hope they fast track this to next week in the second year anniversary show because this is a match that you could save this is a match that you could save for full gear which is in November I think again down in the box below if I've got that wrong I mean right now for that card you've got Omega Danielson 2, and then Darby versus MJF. There's your first two matches right there. Um, I don't know. It's... I hate putting it into, into this category like this, but it's one of those, I don't like this promo, but I... All, or sorry, I don't dislike this promo, but I do acknowledge what the people that want to shit on things are going to grasp onto. It's the same thing with the Arnie Anderson thing. It's the same thing with the balls references and all that kind of thing. We're talking about balls on AEW because we're, we're edgy. So we talk about balls. Uh. Freaking CM Punk on commentary once again, uh, talking about how if Darby Allen hadn't gone down there, he was gonna have to go shut him up himself, which is great. We're setting up all kinds of uh, people for CM. We're gonna see CM Punk versus Adam Cole. We're gonna see CM Punk versus MJF. CM Punk Adam Cole is a charisma match and it's an in-ring match, but goddamn, we all know that MJF versus CM Punk is a microphone match. Uh, We get the announcement that somebody has answered Brian Danielson's challenge for Rampage. It's Nick Jackson. We're getting Nick Jackson versus Brian Danielson on Rampage this coming Friday. Unfortunately, because they do things backwards on Rampage a lot of the time, I think that's going to open up the show. I could very easily tune into Rampage, watch Brian Danielson versus Nick Jackson, and then turn the show off, because I don't care about the women's triple threat match. I feel bad that Thunder Rosa is trapped in such a shitty match. And I don't care about the hair versus hair thing, like, at all. And I don't know if it's taped this week or whether it's live or whether the spoilers are going to get out like it did for Grand Slam. Grand Slam was still good. It was a lot of tag matches. It was a lot of tag matches. And then we got into this week and we had the 16-man tag. We don't need to talk about it. But what we do need to talk about is the main events. Oh, yes. It's very tired in here. Sammy Guevara versus Miro for the TNT title, uh, the Miro God stuff is still weird, I have to stick that in there because it's still true, crazy inside out tackle by Sammy Guevara takes, uh, takes Miro to the outside at one point after a very, very, very long and prolonged series of Miro just mauling Sammy Guevara, uh, standing shooting star press by Sammy Guevara was beautiful, or it would have been beautiful if it wasn't caught in midair by Miro, now, I don't want to sound like I'm gushing for the hell of it. But we have the power, typical power wrestlers do power things, and one of the things you're fighting somebody smaller than you, they try to do something off the top rope, and you catch them just to show how easy it is to stop their their brand of offense. It's a little bit different when this person's doing a top rope standing shooting star press, that's a hard thing to grab, so sh- shout out to Miro for that. Shout out to the fans in Rochester tonight who were chanting, We want Lana, no we don't, which was good. Uh, standing Spanish Fly on, uh, sorry, by Sammy Guevara on Miro as Miro was charging him. And again, consider the size difference. That's a hell of a thing to think. Um, super Kick takes Sammy Guevara out of the ring towards the end of the match, and he starts pulling off all four turnbuckles, instead of letting the referee count Sammy out, and they even mention this on commentary, you super kick the guy, we know you've got a pretty powerful super kick. the guy might as well be counted out on the outside, but you've distracted the referee by the fact that you're taking off all the turnbuckles, or wait, is it all the turnbuckles, or is it just three, and then Fuego Del Sol of all people stops you from taking off the fourth turnbuckle, you knock him off the apron, but that leaves you wide open to a top rope tornado DDT, a GTH, which is his version of the GTS that goes uh, a slightly different direction than the GTS. Uh, 630 Splash and, uh, yeah, believe it or not, Sammy Guevara is your brand new TNT fucking champion. They cut really quick because I think they ran out of time, but the commentators blurted out to uh, wait through the uh, first episode of Roads to the Top, and we're going to hear from Sammy Guevara, the brand new champion, in the first commercial break, which is a sales pitch idea, which is not one that I appreciate, so I didn't do it. Plus, I was watching it on a stream tonight, so I couldn't do that. Anyway, I will not be watching a single shred of Roads to the Top, and that's not a dig at AEW, I don't watch Miz and Mrs., I don't watch the uh, Total Divas, Total Bellas, any of that shit, I don't watch John Cena, or The Miz hosting Wipeout, I don't watch the Go Big Show, I don't care about wrestlers doing other, I mean I care that wrestlers do other things, I shouldn't say that, I checked out CM Punk's first MMA match, and we don't really need to talk about that either, but like, the uh, the blackmail type of advertising, people that watch uh, The Walking Dead, Uh, will remember, if you watched it on AMC, uh, they were trying to get more people to watch Into the Badlands, which went on after The Walking Dead. Uh, And they would sort of do this thing where the episode ended, and it's like, wait till the first commercial break of Into the Badlands. We're going to give you 15 minutes of additional Walking Dead footage. And it's like, no, you can go fuck yourself. I'll look it up online. I'm not going to sit through 15 minutes of a show that I don't care about. And that's very much what they did here, in addition to the fact that I don't think they had time it went it went really quick he got his win he got his title he posed they did the the not the fireworks but the confetti etc uh he got his win and the show got the fuck out of there because i think they're they're timed pretty strictly on on tnt from what i know i know tony khan put the thing out last week saying oh you know <coughs> the uh, the lights out match might go long so we got permission to go long if we need to and i don't think they did if i'm honest um Really, really good show. Really good. They didn't, they did the Brody Lee tribute stuff without having it loom over the whole show. And I hope you guys know I'm trying to be respectful when I say that, but I don't, I don't, and I don't think any wrestler who's passed would want to inflict like an entire two hour funeral feeling onto a show and who am I kidding there's no way I can say that without sounding like an asshole but they didn't do that here which is cool they did the Dark Order stuff they had Mrs. Huber come out as part of that I think her first name's Amanda I could be wrong I don't want to be you know fucking that kind of shit up uh they did that Sammy Guevara fighting for the TNT title which uh Brody Lee held before he passed in the purple gear I want to think that that was a choice um, very, very cool minor thing, again, mentioning the, the charity that's been started in his name right off the top of the show, uh, was a cool thing, I think they did it the right way, I think they did this one the right way even more than they did the first one, and it's 100% not my place to say that, but I, I mean it in a positive way, tonight was a really good, feel good show, they, uh, they, they are really good at Top, top and tailing the show right now. They had a really good opener, really good main event. Some questionable stuff in between. Cody Rhodes got called a bitch and he got kneed in the face by Matt Seidel, so that's cool. Get Dante Martin off my screen. Give a whole lot more opportunity to Lee Johnson, which I think is going to happen now. I think you're going to get Cody versus Lee Johnson at some point. Uh, a lot of cool stuff. A lot of stuff that we thought was going to happen didn't happen tonight. We didn't get the return of, of Hangman Page, which is fine. We didn't get the debut of Bray Wyatt, which is also fine, um, they didn't do a whole lot, of, like I said, they didn't do a lot of the over, overwhelming sort of uh, drawn out tribute stuff uh, that I thought they were going to do, which I think served the show, I think it was a decision made on short notice, I'm not entirely sure about that. But the show was really good. Uh, A lot of messy stuff in the middle. The 16-man tag was what it was. Like I said, it was a terrible match, but the feel-good moment at the end was the purpose of the segment, so it all works. Dan Lambert... (laughs) What do you want me to say? Um, CM Punk on commentary was really good. Daniel Bryan didn't have a match tonight. Jericho wasn't there. None of the inner circle were there other than Sammy Guevara, if I'm not mistaken. Um, They're pushing a lot of things forward. They did a lot. I didn't like it all. But they did a lot, and this was a really good show. I've rambled for far long enough. You guys will see. Week after week after week, I'm proving why I need a co-host. You better pray that Guapo's with me on Friday, or I'm not going to have anything nice to say about that triple threat match, am I? But for now, in the meantime and in between time, I've been Spaz, your YWC reality check. Subscribe up there. Talk down there. Start a conversation. Keep all these conversations going. Don't be a stranger. I will talk to each and every last one of you later. But for right now, tagging out. Bye, guys.